0: You've reached your destination. Your destination. Welcome destination. to Harmonic welcome Headspace. To harmonic harmonic music, harmonic music for your psyche. For your psyche. Let's, do Let's do that! Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy Sunday. It is the 23rd. It is Rush Day. I'm totally pumped to be here. Rush Day. Yes. Yes. Astro has uh, brought together a couple of Rush experts. Uh, Keith from Linfield and Tim uh, and we are psyched to bring this deep dive and rush to you because we are the icing on the cake. That is your weekend.
1: Yes, thank you Procy. I'm very happy to have the special guests here in studio. These are the guys. These is the rush crew. We've been going to see these guys. We had been going to see these guys for decades and uh, wouldn't want to have anybody else here in studio for a rush night and uh, I'll tell everybody we spent probably the, the length of a show uh on wednesday night just going through a zoom session pitching ideas and coming up with things so uh, i hope you enjoy what we've come up with and uh looking forward to digging into some of this stuff let's do this
0: we're gonna uh jump right into some music all right let me uh let me make some of these uh we gotta make some changes here <laughs> so uh keith from linfield how is it being
1: here now, now i know you've called into the show before with your uh you know with your insights what do you think
2: i would just like to extend my thanks for allowing me a rush fan to nerd out on rush <laughs>
1: uh
2: tonight i um been really looking forward to it there isn't any band that i feel more comfortable talking about than rush We've, nice it's been since 1991 92 i think when i got my first rush album was presto Um, because I saw the video for Show Don't Tell on MTV,
3: and I liked it.
1: Yeah, it was pretty good. That was my entry point as well. How about you, Tim? Uh,
3: My entry point was hearing Working Man about halfway through the song on radio, just a radio station down here, Philly, and I didn't know what it was, and I was in high school. I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty damn good, and then I found out it was Working Man, and then my brother had Chronicles, which was the, the entry point for, most, for a lot of Rush fans back in the early 90s. Chronicles. That I don't that even think that. you can buy that. I don't think it ex- exists anymore. But uh,
2: Well, if CDs don't yeah. exist anymore. than <laughs> I
3: don't even think that's even on Spotify or, or anything. But uh, that, that compilation got me going. And that then, was. Yeah. And then in college, I met a few folks who got me like into the deep stuff. And that's where my entry point started, really. And then I met you two.
1: <laughs>
2: Chronicles, had didn't that have the live version of Bangkok on it? It, it had the live it, version it of
1: Bangkok and the live version of Mystic Rhythms, too. That yeah. was that yeah. was chopped off the CD because they didn't have uh, room to have it on the CD. So that was like a extra special treat to have correct. on Chronicles. Of course, if you have it on vinyl, then you have it. And I would imagine they probably had it on cassette, too. Cassette always held a little bit more.
0: All right, let's kick this off with some music. Yeah, welcome to Rush Night, everybody. We are Harmonic Headspace. That was Red Barchetta. Before that, we heard Force 10, and we started off with Big Money. And I see a text in here from John Anthony saying Chronicles is available on Amazon Music. I listen all the time. As usual, thank you, John Anthony. Thank you, John John Anthony, for keeping us straight. Always keeping us straight, (laughs) correcting us. So uh, before we resume, uh, let's talk about how you can talk to us, because I know you're listening. And I know you want to talk to us. So call us, 617 829 9283. 9283 spells WAVE. Or you can text us at 617 764 9283. You can get us on Facebook, WAVE Radio Boston Rocks. Um, you know, check us out there. We will tell you all kinds of things, what's going on on the radio station uh, locally. Um, and uh, also wanted to thank Big Ben. Uh, for coming in last week, that fu- big Ben, that, that was, was a, great. That was a great show. I mean, he's awesome. And you know what we what we uh, are both kicking ourselves in the ass for really bad is we didn't know that he was a musician, and we didn't know how fucking awesome his music is. Dude,
1: you sent me the link to Spotify. Yeah, dude, Ben, come on, man. Like you got to help us, help you, help us. <laughs> yeah, like that. I would have loved to played one of your songs. I would have been. I would have been. I would have had a hard time picking which one I wanted to play.
0: Yeah, look look for Big Ben Hillman on Spotify. Uh, he hosts the show Big Ben Soul Review, Wednesday nights, 10 to midnight. And his music is unbelievable. So good. It's soul. It's his soul. It's got a little falsetto going. is oh awesome. So good. And if we had known that, we would have played at least one of the songs and talked about it for at least an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so, so good. Uh, so let's, uh, let's turn the page and talk about some Rush.
1: Oh, look at this. This guy. Nice segue. <laughs> that was really good. That was great. So, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, you know, we had Red Barchetta coming, uh, coming out here. And uh, I think that's probably a uh, Rush fan's, fi- Rush fan's, Rush fan's kind of favorite song. That, you know?
2: That's my song right there. I, for me, Red Barchetta is that song where, you know, if an alien came down from space, and you had one song to describe what Rush is, I'm picking Red Barchetta, and I'll tell you why. (laughs) It's got this great intro, right? It starts off nice and slow. It's just Alex and Getty playing together, and then Neil comes in. It also ends that way. It's an intro and outro, so they have this, this great way. And in the middle of the song, you have just great melodies. The song speeds up. It's a, it's a story about a, a, a kid who, gets a, who, who whose uncle lets him use this car. It's an awesome car. And as the song, the song speeds up, you actually feel the wind run, running through your hair. Now, for those of you be at home, I used to have hair. I am bald. But I know what that feels like. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that song, I recall that as they're well. They're taking this drive. And it's, yeah. it, it just the song just does that for me. It transports me right into that kid's life every time I hear it. And it's, I just love it.
1: Well, it's 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 like you said, it's an it's an encompass song. It's got that intro outro. and in the middle, it, it's almost like a campfire tale that like you're yep. just thrown down in the middle of. and it's so descriptive and it's just such a fun song and so technically genius, really.
3: It's literally one of the best driving songs. So if you're actually driving your car while listening to Red Barchetta, it's impossible to go with the speed limit during the middle section of that song. yeah. So is, yep. is Barchetta
0: a kind of car? Ferrari. Oh, okay. Nice.
3: You yeah, know,
2: of course it's got to be red. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure they made other colors, but I mean, ooh. listen, I didn't know that either when mm. I heard the song. I'm like, red Bart, okay, it must be a cool car. I have to look yeah. it up. But I mean, it was it the like 90s. How
0: do you look something up? Yeah, like, yeah right. <laughs> <It took laughs> so, months. what album is that on? Is that an old one? Well, it's on Moving Pictures. Oh, uh, uh, that's what Tom so sure
1: on. It is, and it's it's funny because like uh, we talked about like what we're gonna you know focus on and songs we're gonna play, and you know we were talking about you know what are your favorite Rush? What's your favorite Rush album? Really? as rush fans and as rush fans you don't want to just say oh well it's it's their most popular album because that's kind of a cop out but it kind of is true like it's 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 a perfect yeah. album like there's yeah. seven perfect songs and it's their best album it doesn't matter how many times you hear it it's always a fresh you know fantastic listen whenever you hear it, it is the right answer
2: yeah
0: yeah, yeah I, I mean it's a, masterpiece, the only one answer. a masterpiece is a masterpiece right
2: T- timmy or i do, are not here to have some steaming hot take on what other rush album is better than moving yeah. pictures it doesn't exist <laughs> no. we're not
3: going to do it that doesn't too. exist they have <laughs> other
1: great albums yes. but none of them are as good as moving pictures no. nice correct uh and we actually had to pare down our initial list for today had four of the seven and uh we, that's that's just uh, too much representation yeah. yeah so unfortunately you're not going to hear some of the ones that you probably hear all the time on the radio
0: yeah I, I think you guys are doing what we did for the pearl jam show i mean there was so much to talk about there's so many great songs and and cutting one of them, it cuts out, like, your left arm. Yes. <clears throat> it's like, yeah. shit, how could I not talk about right, this? Well, I exactly. don't have time, you know?
1: Yeah, well, we are probably going to go long here tonight, yeah. just letting everybody
0: know. So, I, you know, at the end of a lot of the shows, what we do is, uh, you know, other other shows do, like, thank yous and apologies. We do, like, we do a shout-out to what we forgot <laughs> or a shout-out to what we didn't have time to talk about. So at the end we can do that and have, have a shout out to all the songs or things that we didn't we didn't deep dive into, but they need a mention for something, you know what I mean?
1: Yep, exactly uh and a couple other songs here these two are are extra special and i wanted them at the beginning of the show because uh you know keith and i you know we grew up together in the same town in connecticut and uh, we saw our first rush concert was it 91 or 92
2: march 14th, 1992. okay (laughs) and
1: uh, it was at the new haven coliseum in connecticut and uh, primus opened for rush now talk about uh, a 16 year old uh, boys dream come true concert I believe it was the first or I think the second concert I ever attended at Unchaperoned. I think I, I think we saw the Almond Brothers at the uh, at the same New Haven Coliseum uh, earlier in the year. But then I think Rush was like at my fifth concert overall. And they opened with Force 10. And uh, it was just it was incredible. It was like one of the experiences I'll never forget. That was, I think that was
2: one, my third or fourth concert. I mean, I, I think I'd seen Metallica, like, earlier in the year. But, yep. but I don't remember very many concerts before that. So I, I was so excited to go see Rush because I, I was a huge fan by this time. Richie uh, Astro, do you want the uh, do you want the set list for that night? Let's
1: hear the set list.
2: Force 10 Limelight Free Will. Distant Early Warning. Time Stands Still. Dream Lime Roll the Bones. So we're getting into the new album here. Yeah. Show Don't Tell. The Big Money, which we just heard. Ghost of a Chance, Subdivisions, The Past, Where's My Thing, Drum Solo, Closer to the Heart. Drum Xanadu. Solo, yeah. Drum Xanadu, solo. That was, I remember loving that they played Xanadu because that was a treat. Superconductor, Tom Sawyer, Spirit of Radio, and then some medley. Which I mean, it's I, I don't, I'm a big anti medley guy. Yeah, so we you, hate medleys. Bands out there listening, so, like don't do the medley. <laughs> just play the song. Just yeah, play, yeah pick, pick yeah. one or
1: two yeah, songs. Don't so play a medley of five. That's, you leave they, us all hanging. You they, know? That, that Metallica show you mentioned, I was with you at that show. They they screwed us at that show too. I they, know. they did a big oh well, injustice for all the songs are just too long, so we're just gonna play like two and a half minutes of all uh, the songs. we are like, the oh, hell is that, that man, sucks.
2: Richie, uh, sorry, I keep doing that. Astro. <laughs> I've also got the uh, Primus set list. Would you like to hear? It? Oh, yes. <laughs> this is the treat. I yeah. wasn't aware of this. Toys go winding down. Pudding time. Here come the bastards. <sighs> is it luck? Seas of cheese. Eleven. Tommy the Cat. Jerry was a race car driver. Yeah.
1: So pork wow. soda hadn't come out yet. This no, was pork the soda wasn't tour, even out. That like, no, was uh, a cheese that,
0: tour. Not money frizzle fry on that. I re- oh. d- uh, well,
1: I, I remember the tease. Uh, he came out and Les came out with a uh, stand-up bass and his bow and he started playing Master of Puppets. Yeah, I was, um, trying which to think was of kind song. of a mind-blowing uh, at the time as well. I wasn't sure if the band was actually going to play it or not. I'd never seen Primus before, but I certainly recognize that.
0: I think if I was ever in, in a place where Les Claypool and Geddy Lee were both playing like within an hour, I would melt yeah. into a puddle. <laughs> it, unbelievable, right? I mean, normally you'd think they
2: would like come on stage and play together and be one of those moments, but... Rush yes. is not
1: that. Well, no, I mean, no, it's no. Fun. <laughs> all biz. It's funny that you mentioned that because the three of us are actually going. We have tickets. We've had tickets for a very long time. We're going to see Primus this summer. They're doing. Uh, what's the name of the tour? Um, well, what's the name of the tour? They're they're playing Rush's "A Farewell to Kings" the album in its entirety. Whoa! That that's the tour. Yep. I uh, so I, that's yeah. So that's very well timed for this conversation. I, I need a miracle. <laughs> Um, yeah so you know those were some songs that you know were early on for us seeing the band live and uh, yeah I mean let's get into some more a little more obscure tunes
4: we'd like to continue with uh, songs from various albums but right now we'd like to do something from Grace Under Pressure this is The Enemy Within
5: introduce a very special song to you. It's a scary song. One of the scariest I've ever heard. Even the title scares me. It's called The Weapon. And I'm telling you, you can't enjoy this song unless you've got your 3D glasses. That's right. Because if you don't have your 3D glasses, you'll only be seeing this thing in one half deep. So be sure you put them on, otherwise you can't enjoy those shady effects. They'll they'll whip right out at you, believe me. And the music...
6: Oh, listen to that
5: synthesizer! And sing those drums! Oh, look at that guy dancing! He's scary too! Why don't you just put on your 3D glasses now and get ready! You have to cat scares right off of your legs, however you wear them!
4: You got nothing to fear but fear itself Not being not failure, not fatal tragedy of all the units in this mad machinery, <laughs> not the broken contacts in emotional chemistry.
6: <laughs>
4: like an iron fist in a velvet
6: glove, we are sheltered under the gun. In the glory game, on the battle train, my kingdoms will be done. <laughs> 'Cause I'm a lot more afraid of your lying.
4: That they might climb Is any killer worth more than
1: That was the Fear Trilogy live from the mid-80s. We're talking 85?
3: 80, yeah, 84. I think 84, 84. Was the, came out on the Alive album.
1: Yeah, so, so the Fear Trilogy, uh, and uh, what's interesting about this is it was it's three songs on three consecutive albums, and the first one that came out was part three of the trilogy. Mm-hmm. It's and clever. It's kind clever. Of, it's kind and of like Star then Wars. the second one was part two, and the last one was part one. And this was them performing all three of them live in the actual order. So one, two, three.
3: That's correct. Yeah. And, uh, you know, according to, to Neil, you know, Neil Peart, who wrote the songs, they dealt with the concept of fear in three ways. And The Enemy Within, which is the first song you heard, is about fear, kind of how fear works inside us. Uh, the second one, The Weapon, is about how fear is used against us. And the uh, Witch Hunt is about how fear feeds the mob mentality and if you listen to the lyrics and read the lyrics now, they're pretty apropos to today's world. They hold they up pretty nicely Pressing today, instance. 35 years later, whatever it is. That is yeah, awesome. Years. Yeah. Even
1: more so now, I think, probably. Mm. That's yep. really
0: cool.
3: And uh, on that, you know, they played in, as Rich said, or Astro said, and they played it in, in, the, in the correct order, I guess. Um, and that album, the Grace Under Pressure live album, in my opinion, is their most underrated live album. They have a ton of live albums. But if you listen to it and it's a tirety, it's probably the one live album where the performances, they actually play them faster than what's on the album. Like in most cases, Rush plays pretty fast. So when you actually hear it live, they usually play it slightly slower. But that's the one album where you listen to it. You can just hear it on an enemy within. It's just breakneck pace. Well, it's the 80s. It's, Everything was a little faster in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. if you like your Rush <laughs> fast and tight like I do, it's its about as good as it gets. That's crazy. <laughs> they didn't play the the beats per minute that was on the... On
0: the uh, Album
3: cut, <laughs> <laughs> I know. Sh- shocking, yeah. especially oh, yeah. in the '80s. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, it's one of those things where I would recommend if you haven't really watched it, you can watch it on uh, YouTube. The whole thing, it's in. They have a great uh, version of it as far as high def quality and sound quality. Unfortunately, Getty and Alex's wardrobe choices are not <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it too good.
1: It, it was '84. I mean, uh, yeah. Uh, Alex, mullets,
3: Alex, though? Alex, kind of looked like he could've been in flock of seagulls. Like <laughs> yeah. you know, Getty was going to like a corporate meeting with like shoulder pad shoulder pads jacket. I mean, oh, oh. And
2: and um, when were Canadian. mullets ever cool? <laughs> I mean,
0: exactly. You know, like, it's Canadian style. Man. I mean, don't, I don't don't knock it. But
3: but playing wise, they were top of their game. Getty's voice sounds great on that and the mix is is really good. Um, I think Enemy Within, I think for all three of us here is definitely top top ten. At oh, least yeah. all time. That's the
2: one we all wanted them to play at the at the end of their career there where, you know there were all these polls what song do you want to hear and that was always up there right
3: oh uh, if, if any rush fan says they like enemy within you know that they're like a legit rush fan and <laughs> and that version that you heard the outro on that song getty getty's playing is just absolutely ludicrous um the weapon uh that song the next song that you heard that's a really dark <laughs> and serious song but if you heard the intro there that live version uh joe Flaherty from uh, SCTV, he was on SCTV, he was also the dad in Freaks and Geeks, he he does that little talking intro as a vampire, stressed up as a vampire, Um, it's just really funny, and uh, they have a, I think Rush, one of the best characteristics, characteristics that I remember them having was they just brought humor and levity, even to like the darkest, you know, most serious songs that they had, they just found a way of not taking themselves too seriously, which I think was you know, especially in their live performances, those yeah. things were just hilarious. Well, and the
1: production value that they'd put into the, the videos that they'd make, just for you know, in between the shows or after, and like you know, Getty would you know put the washing machines or like the, the rotisseries back there instead of amps. They didn't take <laughs> themselves
2: too seriously. And if you've seen all the documentaries, you know mm-hmm. that they're friends. They're, oh, they're of friends for a yeah. long time. And if you know to stay together that long as a band, and not you know implode for this reason or that reason, you have to have some something that keeps you together, and that could be their humor, you know, like that's the, the the joke they played on all of us, like why do they have rotisserie chickens behind them, yeah. we're wondering, what? they don't have
3: to tell us, we yeah. just have, you know, yeah. Canadian sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. well the funny things you
1: mentioned how, you know, this is a really underrated and, and great live album, uh, you know, they were very formulaic uh, in so many different aspects, and one of those was the, the release of live albums, you know, early on in their career they would have a specific formula where they'd release like three studio albums and then a live album and then three studio albums and a live album that had songs that weren't on the last live album for the most part, a lot of new stuff, and then they do it again and they do it again. Um, and then, you know, like every other band, as you get further on in years, suddenly you get a, a live album for every single tour, some archival releases, and it's, it's not the same as it was. No, but they you know? gave
2: back so much to their fans. I mean, part of the reason we're sitting here, right, is they... They started in nineteen seventy four and they basically toured until Neil mm-hmm. died. I mean, they, they, <laughs> they gave us live shows all the time. And, and and in these live albums, which, you know, before the I don't know, when live albums used to mean a little bit more. I think right. in no, the, that, in the I 80s guess that was 90s, my point. Like, Right, You know, For sure. yeah. You 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 treated that as in their next album. Right. You know, not not so much anymore. Um but yeah, they just they gave back to their fans a lot. We, and and you know, that's what, what I think their fans appreciate and um it's too bad it's over <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah well the times were good and uh we certainly saw a lot of great stuff
0: yeah, absolutely so uh i'm reading here getty lee joined the band in night uh wait what year did getty lee join <laughs> <laughs>
3: what year I, I gave it away I said 19. 69 i think <laughs> 69 i think so then he got fired from the band <laughs> he actually got fired by their manager he did yeah what's his name uh the manager uh, Name is escaping yeah. me at the moment, yeah. um, but he fired him, and then they brought. You know, he came back, yeah. but uh, he was he fired before they brought in <laughs> at some point for like a week or a day or something like he,
0: that. He joined in 1968. 68, uh, yeah, and uh, replacing the original bassist, Jeff Jones. Jeff Jones. Well, they weren't called Rush then. I mean, uh, yeah, they weren't. No, okay. I don't think so. Okay, uh, it doesn't say here that they they had a different name at the time, but. Um, I would like to know what their name was with that first band and see if they ever put anything out. That would be kind of cool to hear.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: another thing that I'm reading here about Getty Lee, uh, he influenced bands, uh, bass players like Cliff Burton of Metallica, Steve Harris of Iron Maiden, mm-hmm. um, John Myung of Neen th- uh, Dream, Dream Theater, yeah. Les Claypool. Who? Uh, yeah. And uh, Tim Comerford of Rage Against the Machine and Audio Slave. So yeah, he was a pretty influential bass yeah, player. Hall and, of Famer, too, this guy. This is like this is not uh, pop. This I mean, is heavy metal. Hey,
2: I mean, Prost, you're a bass player. I yeah. mean, are you influenced by uh,
0: Yeah, I, I would say yeah, because uh, I, I'm influenced by the way, um, not his style, but the way his bass is the melody of the song quite often, right? Mm-hmm. We were talking about this earlier, where um, if you... Uh, if you're a bass player, you start to hear what bass is, is doing in the song more often than if you're not. And there are some bands, some bass players who just play a bass line, right? Uh, Getty Lee does not play bass lines. He plays the song, and the rest of the song emerges around it. And Alex Lifeson plays intertwined notes with Getty Lee's bass, right? So that, and that's what and I That's love how about they write bass. songs. It's, it's, yeah. it's
2: Alex and Getty that write them. And then Neil just comes in and goes, okay, I like what you're doing here. Uh, this is what I'm going to do. And, yeah. and then he, you know, dresses yeah. it up. And, and of
1: course, and, brings the lyrics, too.
2: Yeah, right. And writes the song <laughs> yeah. that Getty's yeah. eventually going to sing. So I guess, I'm, I'm assume, I don't know if this was covered in the documentary, but I'm assuming he, like, hums a tune or something. I don't even know how, how that would work. I mean. He
0: actually whistles and he snaps his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I read a book by, um, uh, uh, what's his name from uh, Talking Heads? Uh, David Byrne. David Byrne. Yeah. Um, and he talked about how he writes the vocals for songs. And so they, uh, like, uh, like Rush and like Tool does, where they have the, the music, they, they write the guitar and bass part together, and they get that part done. Uh, what, uh, what Dave does is he sings or hums nonsense words mm-hmm. to the tune that he wants to sing it. And he just continues to hum the nonsense and, and just like no, not words over and over until it becomes actual words. And then he stretches the words into sentences that mean something. It's okay. Now this is what the song is going to mean. Wow. And then it makes its way into an actual song about something that rhymes. But it starts with nonsensical hums. Mm. So maybe that's how maybe that's how they do it. Uh, yeah,
2: everyone's process is different. I, I know that the drum takes are, are it's one take, right? in every song is that is that real?
0: Am I, am I talking? Not every
3: time, but there's no. definitely been times where it's been one take. I always wonder that. If, do bands do one take for their?
2: You
1: know,
3: it depends how good you know, that take is. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> you mean in the studio?
2: Yeah, they just do it over and over
0: again in pieces, or is it like? I think it depends. Yeah.
1: You can use different styles. Yeah, I, I would if say it's most.
0: Hemispheres,
3: most <laughs> it wasn't one take. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, most most bands do it hundreds of times. But you hear the stories of the ones who come in, and you know, we only t- did this in one take. You hear the story yeah. about that. You know, there's a story behind it, and you can f- you can figure it out. Phil
2: Collin and Photograph, right? The, one, <laughs> the first take <laughs> was just the, the, the one they, when they used on the album. It was just
1: magic. Yeah. 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 All right, let's hear some more Rush. <laughs>
0: To harmonic headspace here with Tim Keith from Linfield and my superhero Astro
1: yo. So uh, we got a rush tonight going here, and I'm having a lot of fun. I hope you guys are too. Um, You know, talking about a lot of different things. Uh, You know, we can get into Getty's voice at some point and how it's uh, an irritant to uh, a lot of people, top turn off. But I think what I want to talk about right now is the different eras and how you know that's part of it actually, the voice because it his voice is a different instrument depending on what era of the band you're talking about. And I think these last three songs were a good indicator of the different eras that we we're seeing. We jumped in there initially with an anthem, which is the oldest song that we're playing tonight. It's from 75 from their, uh, their first album with Neil, um, Fly by Night. Uh, first song on that album actually. And uh, you know, just going and, and jump in and, and you know, hard rocking fast. Um, Getty's really high voice.
2: It's like he's trying to get as high as he possibly can, yeah, right. too. Mm-hmm. Like he's mm-hmm. really and going. He was for in it. his early twenties, of course yeah. he was. Mm-hmm. He probably thought that that was, you know, oh, I scream like, uh, you know, Robert Plant or something. Mm. But it, it, it's, You're probably not that far
1: off, honestly. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he sounds a lot like Plant on Anthem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, you know that's the one from from that and it was sort of an abrupt jump to a song that I thought fit really well next to anthem from decades later far cry which is a song from their second to last album again the first song and that's another thing I wanted to talk about rush always seems to have a very very strong memorable opening song on their albums i was going through True. the songs we put together and like you know and you know 30 something percent of the songs were first tracks on the albums, yep. hmm. um, and uh, so those were two in a row right there. But Far Cry was uh, one of the songs that like I never thought I'd hear a song like that again from Rush when the 21st century came around, and it just it
3: hit and it really worked. There are some Rush songs that are better live than than in the uh, on the album, and Far Cry to me is one of those. Whenever they played it live, it just It took it, it was another, went to a whole other level. It just chugs along. And and I love the studio version. I mean, I really love it. But but live, live. it's
2: just stellar. I'll even take it a step further. I didn't know they would have another album like Snakes and Arrows. Right. When that song came out, I was like, oh my God, what a nice, nice open, strong open, but. You know, Test for Echo Had a strong open
1: <laughs> Well that's the difference Like <laughs> you know? Snakes and Arrows Was a better yeah. album Yeah um, But no and, and of course Far Cry was the best song On that album Obviously But it had another, A number there were, of hits uh, were, uh, For
2: me On that album And I, and I was like Thank Thank Yes, they can do it again. Yeah. You know, like uh, that. That gave me a lot of uh, Hope. momentum. You know, for the yeah, they
1: were wandering a bit. Test for Echo and uh, Vapor, Trail.
3: Vapor Trails. Vapor yeah. Trails
1: yeah. were they were not their strongest material, and they were sort of out trying to figure their way. You know, mm-hmm. uh, because I mean, before that was Counterparts, and uh, Counterparts was a great album. It was the one album of theirs that came out while we were in college, and it was a hard right turn from uh, Roll the Bones because it was like. It was almost a grunge album yeah. of theirs. And I mean, Presto
2: were, and Hold Your Fire. I mean, those albums no, I know, had, but I'm saying, had right. been overproduced, really. I mean, right? I mean... Well, they've been...
1: They were teetering and overproduction pretty deep into the 80s, too. Yeah. So... Uh, but this was their first, like, suddenly... The synthesizers weren't gone, but they were uh, very deep into the backseat, and Alex's guitar was back and crunchy, and they were writing the, those more... Uh, Can you hear? Oh, yeah, Sorry. Yeah, those more um, uh, heavier songs, uh, a little more melodic, and you know, less less synthesized and processed.
0: Want to jump to some music?
1: Y-Z or Y-Y-Z, depending on where you are. Uh, The call letters for the Toronto International Airport. Um, So, you know, great tune. Another, you know, classic off of Moving Pictures. Uh, Probably the instrumental Everybody Knows by Rush. Um, But, you know, not to get too far off, uh, we had a little abrupt jump into Y-Y-Z previously. We had not not talked about Free Will yet. And we're talking about different eras of Rush. And, you know, we talked about that first album, With Neil and we talked about you know one of their last two albums and then we're sort of splitting it here with Free Will kind of bringing it all home and you know Getty really went for it yeah
3: the band went for it I mean that song musically is probably not my favorite you know when you listen to the whole song but the middle section of that song is absolutely incredible it's one of the best I think probably gets the biggest cheers live of almost any song whenever they play it. Yeah, and if you guys, you're a musician, if you're a musician, it's like the high watermark I think as far as being able to play.
0: Yeah, to when you guys level. were when when we were listening to that, you guys were chatting and I was closing my eyes listening to that part and um and I was just thinking about what was going on, what I was listening to, right? And hearing Getty play it, it, it's a solo, but it's it's a a, a a methodical solo, right? I mean, he's he's it's not a regular guitar solo where there's lots of notes and it's all completely improvised. Like there's uh, some semblance to what he's doing. While Alex Lifeson is ripping the shit out of a rock and roll guitar solo, one of the best rock and roll solos ever, with Neil Peart in the background. And I'm listening to how they're all doing. Uh, I mean, r- the best drummer of all time, one of the best bass players of all time. Alex Lifeson is. Uh, he it says he's um, number three in Guitar World's poll of the greatest guitar players of all time. You get this band, and they're doing that piece right there. I think is iconic. Just that like one minute of music, and if I, if someone is gonna ask me about you know show me some real kick-ass rock and roll, I'd play that one minute and be like, this is it. And that and that's that
2: part was so successful live i mean we we've seen that song a few times mm-hmm. i mean that is it's so it's it's got this build-up where alex is taking you to these power chords and then back into a solo power chord, back into mm-hmm. a solo, and it's just this push and pull and and uh the energy of the crowd when that is happening because we're all watching him be awesome together <laughs> right and and it's it's always it, a big high high moment in any show and, and i'm I gotta tell you, I just missed that.
3: And they get it right, note for note, every single time. It's not even like oh, not even fantastic. a hiccup ever, ever mm-hmm. that we've seen it.
1: Well, it's like it's the, and they're sticking the landing. Like the three of them are like doing their different thing within the context of that one jam. They're all and soloing to a all, certain, all certain extent. They all stick that landing at the same time, at the same point. And yep. you hear the crowd erupt from behind you and in front of you. We all, just, mm-hmm. we all know it's coming. We all know it's coming, and exactly. we still
2: freak out every time they did it again. <laughs> you know, like it's just so, so great. Yep. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and similarly, I think YYZ, for me, you know, there's a couple different parts in YYZ that has a very similar feel, not to the extent of that that free will crescendo, but...
3: It's a lyrical instrumental. It, you it know? is. It's a very melodic song that you can actually sing along to. You yeah. Know? yeah.
1: Well, and yeah. I think that's that's a big thing, too, with, you know, they, they have, they had a lot of instrumentals. And, uh, you know, for for the biggest knock for people who aren't Rush fans, it's generally going to be Getty Lee's voice. Uh, it's almost like they kind of knew that a little bit, too, you know? <laughs> Perhaps. I mean,
2: I think YYZ just sum it up for me. It's just how awesome can three guys be at yeah. their instrument? That that song, to me, does, demonstrates that. It's just...
3: They're a musician's band, and oh. any musician yeah. wants to learn that song. Yeah. Whether they can or they can't, they're going to try to do it. Well, if they can do it, guess what? They're going to be able to play pretty much anything else.
1: Except La Via Strangiato." Yeah. They probably won't be able to play that. And yeah, we're not yeah. going to play that tonight, either, because that's just too long. But that's probably... You know, I've always thought that YYZ was sort of like the 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 distillation of la via to down to a shorter more concise but equally challenging and and technically rewarding
3: song a question yeah and if you ever uh want to dive down a kind of pretty funny rabbit hole i would go to youtube and if you can just type in uh yyz reaction videos and you'll just i actually watch i actually listen to that song more watching other people listen to that song than I do <laughs> listening to it myself. That's like my because, kids,
0: kids watching other people playing uh, video games. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> you,
3: you get these random people who've never heard of Rush watching it and they just, you know, lose their minds. How many of those are real what? versus stage? I don't know. But the other good part is you get like the classical music, you know, conductors or people like that who watch it and they're floored Yeah, by how good it is. And they're professionally trained, you know, crazy musicians yep. in their there, own right. Are there
0: any other, like, uh, I don't know if you guys uh, have ever seen Tool, and uh, that uh, the kids do 46 and 2. I've seen that.
2: I love, I have, the, I bought that mm-hmm.
0: song after watching it. Cause yeah. I was like, that is so, uh, what a yeah. great cover. I mean, because, because yeah. the band melodically put together this song that transcends genres. Yep. Oh yeah. Rush can do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do they have any other, like, uh, other um, classical people who have covered their stuff? Like Metallica has it too. Yeah. And-
2: I'm not aware of of that, anything that
0: would be quite there is, like that. There, but it, there's know.
1: there's a Rush Philharmonic. Uh, I've seen as yes. it. an LP out there. I haven't gotten it because I don't really like orchestration all that yeah. much. But me, it, me. It, yeah. it it is a, it is a it is one. Yeah. Um. I'm not sure it's like as big as the other ones that you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I've seen it. It's out I,
0: there. I I enjoy those uh, I when they're done well, it because like if my if I'm having a party and my parents. Are there Right I don't know that they want to hear That free will thing Because I'll probably start Like slam dance with my dad And he won't like that Yeah But if, if we put on the, Like the Philharmonic tool And you know He'll, he'll start growing And he'll be like Oh this is pretty cool You just and dated you know. yourself By saying
2: slam dance By the way It's <laughs> moshing <laughs> I think I, don't know. What are I the think he was moshing 20 years ago What are you talking about Yeah <laughs> uh,
0: I, I don't know I got a concussion <laughs> uh, Do you guys want to jump Into some more instrumental? Well, let's hear some Sounds more Sounds good Leave that thing alone <laughs> narcissism
1: yeah buddy by the band named mm. rush
0: i'd never heard that before that just blew my mind <laughs> that, yeah i was watching you over there like yeah you're digging this Could one I, once again uh, you guys are all yapping and i'm closing my eyes oh no we, to this we, stuff. We, were, we were all headphones on too <laughs> yeah. i don't know if you noticed <laughs> listen wow. i'm
2: i'm 100 I'm serious about it. this is how i think this is how i think about things just a quick aside you know how like when bands go on talk late night talk shows and they have to play a song and they usually play their hit song. Like, Rush will play, you know, what, Tom Sawyer. They can play Limelight. They can yeah. play something everybody knows, right? I'm I'm always like, why don't they play Malignant Narcissus? Why, why don't they just play that? Yeah. It would be so awesome to just rip that for, like, two minutes and then walk off stage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, uh, anyway, that's that, just me.
3: Uh, what I like about that song, it's actually the one, I think it's the one song on record where Getty plays a fretless bass, Jocko Pastorius, Precision yeah. Special, which... Wow. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of basses, but I think that's the only time he did a, a fretless on record, which is, you know, not too many rock bass players are playing fretless basses. It's just... Yeah, a, that well.
0: sounded... And you could hear the slides, and he he made sure that you knew that was a fretless bass. <laughs> that, <he was> <laughs> that was pretty awesome.
2: So do you play a fretless bass to show you're just awesome? It not takes it? feel, from I what
3: know, I from awesome. what I hear. <laughs> from what I hear, it takes a lot of feel to be able to play a fretless bass. Yeah,
0: wow. yeah. I mean, the, the fret gives you like a, an inch... Of leeway to right. be wrong, and <laughs> you can just find if you can just find your finger in the middle. But if if you're on a fret list your finger's got to be perfectly positioned. And it's hard.
3: And then did you know this was nominated for a Grammy?
0: Was it really? Best I, had,
3: I did not know that. Yeah. Oh really? Yeah. What what album? What, was what won? <laughs> it was a Bruce snake. Bruce Springsteen oh, of instrumental. Of course. Of course. Come no. Come on. They went. Oh, they were. I think it was zero oh for five. Oh. They were nominated for Grammys for best instrumental. Never won. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, for all these instrumentals, we we had a hard time picking them. This this was a last minute uh, swap out. We had a different one that we had picked. them we like, and Tim's like, oh, we got to put them looking narcissism. I'm like, yes, we have to. <laughs> it's nice. from Snakes and Arrows. It's from
3: their second to last album. Yeah, do same they, one as that Far Cry song.
0: Do they have any Grammys? No,
3: no, no. They've been really? nominated. Like I said, they've have only you- been nominated, I think, for instrumentals, but they've never actually. Yeah, won.
1: even the the Grammy police didn't like Getty's voice either. <laughs> they got five yeah, five instrumental nominations.
3: I think uh, I think Y Y Z lost to the police. They lost to uh yeah. I think it was like, like Behind, Behind My, My Camel. Camel. Yeah, uh, that's
1: respectable. That's a good yeah. tune.
3: Not as good. <laughs> <laughs> not as good. Not as good, but I
1: like the police, but not at as least good. it wasn't a Bruce Springsteen <laughs> instrumental. Oh, I mean Pain. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, yeah, so we you know, we had we had three rush instrumentals there, like I said, there's you know, they were nominated for five Grammys. Clearly they've had a bunch. And
3: uh Leave you know, that thing alone.
0: Yeah, what's was, it? tell me about that one? Uh
3: well it's on counterparts. Yep. It was which counterparts. Uh, was another nineties album. Um Great, great tune. I think it was almost every show we saw was a live staple. It almost always went into Neil's drum solo. It was yeah, almost I don't, like the entry I don't think point it left the his... set
2: list ever. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's just such a great tune. I, I, it's such a song you can, like, meditate to. It just, you just get taken away by Getty's bass in that song. Well, it's so much more
1: fluid than Where's My Thing, which is good as well. There's a lot of Thing songs, <laughs> yeah. instrumentals.
2: Really? I like that song, too. We debated playing that yeah, today. Yeah, I, I like that, too. I, this I one's far superior. It is. It just is. And, and um, like I said, I, that's a song that if, it's, if it comes up in a shuffle that I'm listening to, I am not turning it off. Yeah, you're ever. listening to it. Like,
3: yeah.
1: <laughs> nice. So, uh, yeah, we got some uh, some Rush going on here and uh, i think we got a little bit more and we're gonna we're gonna get some in here we we have a few 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 groups of three left we got to get through so uh let's push
0: All right, that was "Between the Wheels" by Rush. Before we heard "Show Don't Tell," and before that was "One Little Victory." We are Harmonic Headspace. This is Rush Night. We have Tim, we have Keith from Linfield, and we have Astro. Uh, I just wanted to say one quick thing about uh, about what we're doing tonight, and and uh, we're deep diving on Rush, right? We're playing songs that most people. Uh, if you 're not a rush fan not might not know like you you know tom Sawyer um you know spirit of the radio, but we 're not playing that right and I was thinking there 's like two kinds of people in the world: there are the people who love music, right, and there are people who love bands right so it, it could be both, but I think the music industry industry has kind of formed around people who love music because there 's way more people who just who love music. That don't really deep dive into bands like we do, right? Um, so the music industry has like formed everything around. You know, uh, I'm not going to put in Rush when they deserve to be into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because you know they, they just don't follow that music verse chorus verse um, thing. You know, they just don't they don't fit into that, so they're kind of pushed out. But what Harmonic Headspace is is for people who love bands, right? That's why we do this. That's why we do the deep dive on Rush and Pearl Jam. and We talk about specific genres and um, we do these deep dives because we're for the people who love bands. And there are a lot of us out there. And we love to geek out. And, and I think that's, this is the epitome of what Harmonic Headspace is and why I love to do it. i,
1: I like to add something to that. Blah 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 blah.
0: Yeah, you want to talk about Rush? Go for it.
1: <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, the, the reason I did that is uh, to your point about them not being uh, respected and, and, and putting the Rock Hall of Fame. Uh, the Hall of Fame, until very recently, was run by Jan Wenner, basically the uh, the head of Rolling Stone, mm-hmm. and uh, he never really liked Rush, and he you know he didn't like a lot of different bands that you know it, that's his prerogative. I mean, everybody has tastes but uh, they never got any positive press throughout their career until probably, what, 2010? When did they get in the Hall of Fame?
2: It was a longevity story, right, at that point. I mean,
3: hey, they're still around. Hey, Rush, you know. Yeah, yeah.
1: They have a huge fan base. They're still around. They're still making music. They're still touring.
3: The documentary came out. I think that kind of changed things a little bit, that very first documentary. I think all of a sudden, when they had all the other musicians, like Les, Kirk Hammett, guys from Rage, just talking about how awesome Rush was, all of a sudden, I think they got a lot more respect. Somewhere, Billy previously. Corgan is
2: really upset. You didn't mention him. Billy Corgan, he <laughs> <of laughs> wants you to <didn't> know yes. <laughs> he's the top
3: rusher. Yes, fan, and okay? he did. He did a very good job explaining that. Yeah, but and, and, <laughs> and to the, so
1: going back to the blah blah blah, the reason I said that is because when they finally did get inducted into the Hall mm. of Fame, um, I think you mentioned how they were saying, uh, and and from uh, Toronto, Canada. And the place erupted for, like, what, two minutes? Oh, yeah. I
3: mean, you've never... If you watch any of the induction ceremonies, everyone gets an applause. No matter how famous the band is. A few seconds, they move on to the next one. With Rush, it was at least two minutes, at least standing ovation. He had to wait. Then he announced the band. They did another, you know, however long. And then (laughs) uh, when they did their speech... And that's
1: where this picks up again. Uh, Alex Lifeson had his acceptance speech. He walks up to the podium... And he goes on for I, I shit you not probably two to three solid minutes mm-hmm. of an acceptance speech where he only said the word blah. Really? He went blah 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 oh blah gosh. blah, and he, like he got he had inflection and like he he got animated blah. in certain parts of the story, uh-huh. but he only said blah over and over again. And I thought it fit in so perfectly. With what, what you were talking about. Oh, I thought you were just being
0: an asshole. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> why, that's why I wanted to clarify, because I, su-
1: I assumed you didn't know that. But uh, I, didn't I that. knew Rush fans would know that. That's yeah, why I wanted nice. to clarify after. You didn't think I was being a prick about mm. this, at least. Thank you. Okay.
2: okay. <laughs> okay. Well, Dave Grohl uh, announced them, right? He, yeah. he, uh, he inducted them. He inducted mm-hmm. them. He had a great speech. He was funny. So mm-hmm. like he, he's, he's he said all the funny. words, and then Alex just went up there and kind of – yeah. That's an Alex thing. That's his sense of humor. It right? is, I of mean, course. It, it really is. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it,
1: of course it wasn't mean-spirited. They're Canadian, for heaven's sake. Yeah. Yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's
2: Canadian humor.
0: Yeah. Who, who else uh, did a great uh, induction speech? It was um, uh, Nine Inch Nails. It was Trent Reznor. And same kind of thing happened when, um, not Nine Inch Nails, but... The Cure. The Cure was inducted. And he was like, they were, they were talking to him about inducting Nine Inch Nails. And he said, I refuse to be inducted. You you guys haven't even put the cure in yet. Mm-hmm. He's like, mm-hmm. you guys have your ass on your head right now. He's, and so then they had him induct the cure and then they got him in. So and I mean, funnily, he he was in the uh,
1: induction class last year with Depeche Mode. Yeah, who mm-hmm. I would imagine he probably had the same issue with, like, why the hell is Depeche Mode not in right now? Yeah, exactly. So
0: yeah, so they they don't like. He's people still wondering who what loves bands. You know, it's all about
1: still wondering what's going on with Devo. I mean, shit, they're from Ohio. The goddamn Hall of Fame is in Ohio. <laughs> they were just up for nomination this year again, and they, they didn't, didn't get in.
0: What? I thought they were, I thought they were in this one. No, mm.
1: but uh, hey, let's talk about these songs we just heard. We heard "Between the Wheels." Why did we hear "Between the Wheels"? Whose pick was that?
2: I mean that was mine. I'm sorry. <laughs> From Linfield here. I'm a Between yeah, the Wheels fan. He's got a wheel on his shirt. This is an example of a song that was on Grace Under Pressure, uh, an album which I love. It's mm. it might even be my favorite. Uh, it's it's not, up there. Not Moving Pictures, but uh, it's a song that I I always kind of liked, but I didn't really pay it too much attention or, or, or list it whenever I, somebody asked me. You know, but when you hear that song live, man, uh, it, it just transports. Um, the the experience of that song and it's really just all about Alex. He's got this. I was trying to describe it in the break. Like there's a, there's a chord he hits, and it just kind of like filters over the crowd. And it, it does. And it, and, it, and it he holds it. And it just when you when you see stuff like that live and it's it's also coordinated with like a light show that makes mm-hmm. it look awesome. It elevates the song, man that Mm -hmm. live music elevates songs all the time and this for me is an example of that
1: well it wasn't just you clearly it worked because Mm -hmm. the song was not in their set lists for years nearly decades i would say and they pulled it out for what their r30 tour the 30th anniversary tour Uh, uh, it worked so well that they kept it in the set list till till they you know folded shop up
0: yeah live music is is something else right um when I think of moments in my life where it was, I you know, out of body feeling experiences, goosebumps, like my kids being born, and in those moments where like tears, many of them have been at shows. Oh yeah, and yeah, sober, hundred yeah, percent. You know, uh, like when I saw Temple of the Dog, when they played um, Fascination Street, my uh, like I started getting tears, and I've, I'm even feeling it a little bit now talking about it. Like there are certain moments when certain yep. things happen that you will never forget. And live music experiences are on my list a lot.
1: Standing on the Moon, Boston Garden.
0: For me, it's Shakedown Street, 94. <laughs>
1: yeah. Last show of The Garden, 94. They, yeah. they
2: hadn't played it, they played it. I lost my mind. I, I just, yeah. I'll never forget that moment, yeah. ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, you, you, I gotta go back to r30 the r30 tour so sadly this there's only a- one person sitting here who saw that tour yeah because um and that would be timmy i'll let that you i'll let you expound on it in a moment <laughs> but uh so you know full disclosure here rich and i decided to go to the fish farewell i'm using air quotes everybody i know this is radio farewell tour in 2000 well, it, was, it was a <laughs> giant it shit hole with, it conflicted with rush I didn't we had choice. tickets we had tickets and I chose wrong because that show was not fun. It rained, mm-hmm. and it wasn't... Trey was all drugged up. It was bad. And I regret it. And Timmy, take it away. Yeah. Well, it was <laughs>
3: probably their best tour. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's it? That's... That, yeah, yeah. I mean... But no, they pulled out all sorts of stuff that they hadn't pulled out on other tours. Uh, Neil's solo, I think, was probably the best solo. Was probably the best solo, at least, I ever saw. Uh, was from that tour. And uh, that was also, I believe, where they... Which some Rush fans maybe didn't like, but they pulled in some. That's when they had their cover songs, so they had done their cover oh, album, right? Yeah, and yeah. And so they added in some. But they did like they did like the Seeker from the Who. Yeah. They did a couple wow. others that actually they they worked, you know. Because I mean, the Seeker Rush had to have
1: rocked. What a heartful soul! I like so, that. I like that cover, of Heartful of Soul, that they do.
3: Yeah. So they and they did uh, Crossroads, which you know you hear Crossroads oh, that's by cool. Cream live. We hear them do it that version of it it was it was pretty sick so uh yeah you guys missed a good one
1: yeah that's that's one of the regrets i don't, I don't have very many concert regrets that's one of them that's that's a short
0: lister that's uh, i just want to pump in a, a cover that i heard that was played by Audio Slave, I was there, man. Working Man, their first time, to- their first tour. They yes. came, we saw them at like a little club, right? Yeah, we did. Avalon or something. Avalon. I was there. Yeah. I was with you. You were with us yes. too. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that was the 1st their the first Sweet. Audio Slave yep. show yeah. on the first tour, and they played Working Man. That I
3: didn't was, get them until the uh, Centrum, I guess.
0: That's when they worked their way up to the. Centrum, they worked their way so up. Yeah. I, I mean, them.
2: I remember not knowing any of the songs, and then they played Working Man. I'm like,
0: well, hey, I know that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Uh, do you want to jump into another bro- block? This is it. This is driving us home, right? This is our last set of three. Let's do
1: this. <laughs>
4: star that would not die.
1: this x1 the descent into the black hole
0: that was insane and i was trying to figure it you guys are over there drumming like weirdos and (laughs) we're rush nerds we air drum you air drum everything and then every once in a while i see someone play the bass i'm like these guys (laughs) are fucking awesome (laughs) so but well while you were doing it i was like trying to figure out like I mean, you have to hear that a hundred times and memorize it. Oh yeah, to, oh, yeah. And for, sure. I, for and, sure. And they're not—they're in time signatures. So I went and looked a, looked this up, and I'm on this Rush um, uh, forum right now, and there's a drummer who says Th- this list I'm looking at is a list of time signatures. Usually, the song has one time signature, and it's <laughs> four, 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 four. Four, four. Right? It's sometimes there—sometimes it's in three four, and sometimes um, there's two right this one says this drummer from the from the rush Forum says okay so when the drums come in 54 64 118 <laughs> four, four, three four seven eight. Three four 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 34 and then 4-4 four, four for 6 bars 3-4 <laughs> for 1 Four, four, for three bars. I mean, three it just sounds impossible one. to keep track of. Well, I mean, six, I, I, eight for nine bars, then five, six, and five, eight. Yeah, exactly. It's like,
2: but West fans and, can fake it in a way that makes it look like we know exactly
3: yeah. what we're
0: doing. <laughs> well, no, you 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 can you memorize it and you know it. You don't have to know what key it's in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, or what time to. Well, the
3: other the like. other thing is that, so Neil's trying to has to remember all those different signatures mm-hmm. while at the same time when his he does his fills he never does, if you listen to just about every Rush song, he never does the same fill twice in a song. Really? So, like, one verse, he'll do a fill. Right. The next verse, it'll be just a little bit different. Uh-huh. And he does that on almost every song. It's just, I don't know how he can remember that to do it that exact yeah. way. Well,
1: and he
0: feels it, it. He plays because he it's feels
1: It's muscle memory, so I'm sure. But yeah. Well, it's, he does it to Getty, too, because he does that with his verses. <laughs> <laughs> he screws them over <laughs> sometimes like that, too. Yeah. That, yeah. Was, that
0: was pretty crazy.
1: Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a Rush fans Rush song right there. Um, at their that, heaviest, that, probably. yeah, that, that's going to that that be the one to turn off anybody who doesn't like Rush. <laughs> right. that's
3: going to make sure that the nails in the coffin. All females will run out of the room screaming yeah, exactly on that right. one. Listen, <laughs> I, I,
2: I have a story. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell. So, Percy, you mentioned us air drumming, and you mentioned girls, and <laughs> I would like to tell the story of how Rich and I, Astro and I met Timmy. We were at at college, and we left a party with girls. To go like you know, no 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 we didn't have girls with us they well, were at the party <laughs> they were right, the girls at the party it's college right of course so there was an
3: opportunity they're everywhere
2: <laughs> and and so we we leave a we, we find out we're rush fans we leave a party we go I don't know where whose room it was we're my in. room it was your room okay so we're in, and we're in his in his room without girls Hillside. and this other guy named Mills what was his name yeah, John Mills John Mills want to want to quote Actually. quote him properly for the story anyway. We we go there presumably to you know smoke a joint, have some more beers, and listen to Rush. And it's the '90s, so context matters. Somebody in that room had to have a CD player right. or a tape player.
3: CD player, right?
2: With boombox, with, with a Rush album that we could listen to. And we did that. And, and I swear to you, we're this big of nerds then as we are now. We traded air drumming parts to songs that we were <laughs> listening to. Nice. And we were all laughing, and it was just like it was. It was fun. It's one of the most. You know, we remember I that. Still remember it, oh yeah, you know, like, I don't remember so. any of my parties that I yeah. any of
3: the parties I went to, but I remember that. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's cool. That's funny. Uh, talk about uh, Seven Cities of Gold." So, uh, Seven Cities of Gold" was from Rush's last
1: album, uh, "Clockwork Angels," which was uh, a return to really uh, storytelling albums, like concept albums. And um,
0: it's much different than "Roll the Bones." It's more more like their old stuff.
1: Yeah, it is. And and to be honest, like I. I I swore for years when that album came out that it was one of the best albums they made. I, I mean, I don't know how far you want to go back. I mean, we can go deep into the '80s if you want to be honest. For personally, me, for me, at personally, least. my
3: going back to Grace. It's my favorite. Right after Grace under pressure.
1: I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. But uh, it's just it's a great story. It's it, it, from beginning to end. All the songs are cohesive. It tells a really cool like dystopian type of story and it doesn't seem forced um and it's it's fun like the songs are good i mean the story is one thing but you need the songs to be good for it to work mm-hmm. oh yeah um so that that was uh seven cities of gold from that album
3: mm-hmm. and they had the balls to play the entire thing i think it's maybe with one or two exceptions the whole album live no they, so,
1: i think they played the whole thing
3: so they when they toured on the clockwork angels tour you know how many bands go out? They might play one or two songs that are new from the album, and then when they do, everyone heads to the bathroom or the beer line or whatever. But mm-hmm. they actually, they they went out and said, "We're playing this entire album." And there's eleven, I think eleven, twelve songs on yeah. the album, and, and, that, and that was my <laughs> and preference. It. That was and it my was preference.
1: Great. I wanted that. I was yeah. I was yeah. happy when I heard they were doing that because yeah. I've seen them so many times before. And I love I mean I loved this album when yeah. it came out. So I was excited that they were doing that. They
2: wound up their career great. Snakes and Arrows and Clockwork Angels were, were yeah. good albums. And yep. And you know, they wound it up good. They, well, yep. they accomplished that.
1: What was cool about that that Clockwork Angels tour is they actually had a a small orchestra that they brought with them. And uh they the lead violin player, funny enough, uh, brother of Peter Dinklage. Mm-hmm. Oh really?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So so, I have a he question. plays
2: violin and he knows things. He
1: knows yeah. things. Exactly. <laughs> That's right.
0: So, uh, 2112, what is the meaning of that?
3: Oh, boy. How much time do we have? <laughs> I'm just leaning back from the mic. You guys take this one. Well, it's just another, basically, a tale, uh, you know, a story that uh, Neil had come up with. Essentially, it's like the individual against, you know, the oppression, against the, you know, whatever you want to call it the authority I guess against, authority yeah, authority authority yeah. push all the arts it's a science fiction variation of that you know it's a theme that can run in many different ways but this one is about you know essentially in the future guy finds an instrument you know music had been banned guy mm-hmm. finds an instrument so decides to start playing it but it's like the authorities at the time you know were anti you know fun yeah anti fun yeah. and it's 20 what Twenty minutes and yeah. change. There's a song about and about
2: this this person presenting it yeah. to the authorities, saying, "Look how cool! Look this what is. I found! This yeah. is amazing! Why don't we have this? Right. You know?" And they, he's told that they, they took it away because mm-hmm. it was going to be bad for you. And you know, it's just one of those, and, you know, one of those. Yeah,
3: and it was yeah. one of those songs that you know because it's twenty minutes. You know, they never played all of it yeah. live. For they played most of it in the '70s on one tour, but they never actually played the whole thing. Mm. And then. The very first show that I went to, they played the entire thing. And mm-hmm. you knew that they would play, there's like, what, six, seven parts of the song. They always played the first two parts. Mm-hmm. The first two parts are on Chronicles. They played those two parts live pretty much all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but you didn't know, it was 97, so the internet was, you know, you didn't really know the set list, what, what was coming. So we go to the show in Hartford, and they play the first two parts, and then all of mm-hmm. a sudden, the little, there's like a waterfall guitar intro into the third part. And nobody knew it that they were doing it, and the place just yeah. went totally ape shit. Mm. I was when, under the influence you know. of some natural vegetables, <laughs> yeah. and literally my face melted. Yeah, you know, for <laughs> it was the whole thing was just absolutely by far that point, that one, and then they did it again in the summer at Great Woods. Mm-hmm. By far, my two favorite concert going experiences ever was mm-hmm. those two. I
2: think that tour shows. is their best set list ever. If you're just gonna read it on paper, like that'd be the one I'd pick.
1: So, yeah.
0: Stellar, nice. All right. So, are
1: we wrapping up? I think we're wrapping, unless you guys have anything else you need to share.
3: I don't think so. I left all it all right. on the floor, man. It's nice. all on the
1: floor. Thank yep. you guys for coming yeah, in. You guys are uh, great. Had a lot of fun tonight. We went over a bit, but I think you know we we successfully navigated our set
3: list we finally got to make our own rush set list. we're just like rush we go on way too long yeah exactly
0: <laughs> i'm smarter as usually i am after these things so you guys are you guys are amazing Good. thanks for having us now you to
3: start yeah. listening to some more rush
0: i will absolutely <laughs> all right guys we will see thanks for you. having us thanks for coming thank you see you next time
5: beautiful house with a beautiful wife and you may ask yourself is it ever?